0: Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Mike McGowan. Welcome to Parkway Fellowship. I'm so glad that you are here today uh, because today we're in part two of our message series, Tying the Knot. And although this is a married series, this series is not just for married people. It's also for people who are engaged. Or for people who one day want to be married. Or you know what? Even if marriage is nowhere on your radar, this is a great series because everything that we're talking about can apply to any relationship, whether it's work friendships or um, uh, just friendships you have in the community or even family relationships. It's really, it's just a great series. Now today, we come to a topic that honestly damages more marriages than any other single thing. And the reason it's so damaging is because it's so widespread. Literally, every single marriage is touched by this topic. Every relationship has potential to be damaged by this topic. And and the truth is, it's not that if this happens just one time. if, if, If it happens just one time, it's really probably not that big of a deal. But the damage occurs because of the cumulative effect over years And that cumulative cumulative damage can be so devastating that some marriages and relationships just simply can't recover. So what topic am I talking about? I'm talking about communication. How we talk to one another. Because how we talk to one another has potential to bring us closer together than anything else. And it also has potential to drive us farther apart than anything else. Now, before we go any farther, let me take a quick time out and just say this. Today, we are not talking about relationships that have abuse or that are relationships that have you know, some sort of addiction as a part of it. Because those two instances can create blow-ups that have nothing to do with you. So we're not talking about those, and if those, those are part of a relationship or marriage that you're in right now, please get help, either from local authorities or from a counselor. But today, we're just simply not talking about uh, abusive or addictive sort of relationships. And today, with me, to help me today, is my beautiful wife, Amy. So let's welcome her to the stage this morning. Can we do that? Hold on, hold on, I got to brag on you for just a second. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Amy is a licensed professional counselor, and so she's been been doing that for a long, long time, and she knows more about communication than I have ever learned in my entire life, so
1: glad you're here, hon. Thanks, baby. Mike and I have been uh, best friends for over 25 years, and we have been married for almost 17 of those. So as you can imagine... We have had plenty of time to communicate. And like most of you all, we have had our fair share of blow ups. Well, no hope, baby, like, don't ruin the image for people, oh you gosh. like. <laughs>
0: Some folks think we're perfect, so you know, like, don't, don't shatter it for them, you know? Okay,
1: we are not perfect. We are <laughs> far from perfect. And honestly, we could probably fill up our whole time sharing with you um, our mistakes and our mess ups. Um, and although that would be entertaining, I just don't think it would be very helpful. So, uh, we want to share with you today the things that God has shown us. That have really helped us communicate more effectively in our marriage.
0: Yeah, so absolutely. So go ahead and pull out your message notes. Let's look at this first verse this morning because this is our launching point for today. The first verse that we're going to look at is Proverbs twelve eighteen. The Bible says this. It says, "Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing." And I love this verse because, truthfully, it captures both sides of the coin. God says that when we're reckless with our words, they end up piercing the heart of the other person. But when we're wise in our communication, then it can bring healing, maybe even damage that's already there. Okay, so we want to illustrate this verse for you in a special way. Have you ever had um, those sorts of conversations? Yeah, these are... uh, Compliments of our folks at HPD. Um, no, seriously, they really are. Um, let me ask this: Have you ever had a conversation with your spouse that you know you thought, okay, this is going to be a, like a minor disagreement, and so you start talking about it, and then like it blows up into this like ridiculous, massive argument? Has that ever happened to anybody? Yeah, it does. And listen, every time we have those sorts of blow-up types of arguments we end up putting on protective gear. Because we don't want to be hurt like that over and over and over again. And eventually, over time, we get all geared up and protected, don't we? Because when these things bluffs happen, it's like a bomb goes off.
1: Yeah, it's, and if we don't learn to communicate differently, that becomes our pattern of communicating that over the time of years of having reckless words and having our hearts pierce over and over and over again and these communication bombs keep going off, like we just develop defense mechanisms because we don't wanna be hurt again. And so it's much like this protective gear. And so when we try to be close to each other, it it doesn't work. It's almost impossible to be close with each other when we have all of this kind of protective gear on.
0: Yeah, I mean, look at this. How are we ever gonna be close Ser- no, seriously. It's not happening. It's not happening. No, How, no. how are we ever going to have an intimate relationship with one another if we have all of this protective gear on all the time? Well, it's not going to happen, is it? But you know what? God doesn't want it to be this way. God never designed marriage to be like that. God wants marriage to be so much different and so much better for all of us, and so, whether we're talking about a marriage, or a future marriage, or family relationships, let's all ask this one question. How can I communicate so that I don't blow up my marriage or my relationships? How do I communicate to do that? Thanks, baby. Here's the first thing. First thing I need to do is this. I need to learn what makes a relationship explosive. I need to learn what makes it explosive. Because look, if we understand what causes blowups in a marriage or in a family or between friends or between like parents and kids, if we can understand it, then the Lord can show us how to prevent it in the future. In fact, look what God says to us. He says to us in Proverbs 30, verse 33, he says, For as churning the milk produces butter, and as twisting the nose produces blood, so stirring up anger produces strife I cannot tell you how true this passage is I mean and God warns us that if we do certain things then it is going to cause certain damage so look just as churning milk produces butter just as punching someone in the nose produces blood so when you stir up anger with your words I'm telling you it produces a fight and When you do the things that make that other person angry, I'm telling you, things blow up in a hurry. They blow up in a hurry.
1: In my years of experience, I have seen many things that have caused that kind of communication bomb to blow up, Um, and so what we wanna do today is really teach you how to build a communication bomb and all the explosive components needed if you really want to blow up your marriage. Okay, so the first one is lie. Like, definitely lie or don't tell the whole truth. Just leave some things out. And break promises, or like just don't really keep your word and follow through on what you said you would do. Call names, some like really mean, bad ones. Um, Tear down the other person, especially in public and especially in front of others. Don't listen, do not listen to what they're saying, don't listen to what they need, just focus on what you need. Um, Force them to talk, especially if they've told you they need a little space and a little time to kind of work things out, like force them to talk. Um, Or you can just freeze them out, like ignore them, like give them that cold shoulder. Um, Make it personal, make everything about you. Um, Go ahead and raise your voice, kind of posture up a little bit, can make sure that whatever you do, make sure that you get it to where they apologize first. Like, make sure you do that, um, and then spin it to where it's their fault. You know, you know how you do that—just spin that argument so it's their fault. Um, and then, if you absolutely want to blow things up, um, go ahead and threaten divorce or threaten to move out. See, if you do these things, you are absolutely building a communication bomb.
0: All right, so look at this, look at this bomb, okay? If this were real, which, by the way, it's not, okay? <clears throat>
1: it's a good thing.
0: If, if this were real, and it were to go off, even one time, this would create an enormous amount of damage, wouldn't it? But you know what? It is real. It's real because these components are real. And when a bomb like this goes off in your marriage or in a relationship, and it doesn't just go off once, if it goes off over and over and over again for years, well, no wonder it creates such distance in a relationship. No wonder marriages just simply aren't that close. Because when these kinds of things go off, it creates huge amounts of damage. So... So God wants us to change this kind of thing. So let me ask you, have you ever done any of these things? Have have you ever been guilty of any of these? Truth is, I'll bet almost all of us have. I mean, I know I have. I know Amy would say the same thing she has too. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at that list, and I want you to put a dot next to two of these explosive components that you tend to default to. For whatever reason, whatever it is that you tend to lean to or you default to, or just is most common for you, just put a dot, just like a little baby dot, next to two of them. Not all of them, because you can't work on all of them at one time, just two of them. Okay, now look. Resist the temptation to lean over and put a dot on your spouse's paper, okay? <laughs> like, don't do that, because then that person's going to start yelling at you, you're going to yell at them, a fight's going to break out in church, right? We're talking about communication, all right? So you don't let that happen, all right? Okay, but all of that leads us to number two. Number two is this. I need to learn to defuse the bomb. I need to defuse the bomb. How? Like, how do you defuse a bomb so that it doesn't blow up? I mean, when you, look, when you feel conflict rising, when you feel, you know, your blood start to boil, when you feel that other per, you feel yourself start to power up, or when you feel your spouse, they start to power up, well, what can you do in that moment to defuse that situation? Well, you know what? God tells us. Look what God tells us. In Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1, God says this, he says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger.
1: You know, when I hear a gentle answer, I think of like this soft, quiet, meek answer and I don't really think that's what God means right here. And so we want to share with you a couple of ways that God has shown us how to use gentle answers in diffusing some explosive situations. So the first one is own it. Just own it. Now, Mike is really good at this. He is much better at this than I am. Well, no, well hold on.
0: Let's, let's be real honest here. Like, I didn't start out that way. Because, like, okay, look, you know, like most guys, life. like, I don't like to admit that I'm wrong. Right? What I like to do, I like to shift the blame to somebody else. Like, I want to blame somebody else or blame something else, but I don't, I don't like to own it. I don't like to admit that I'm wrong.
1: Okay, well, we'll just say he's much better of that than he <laughs> used to be. But you know what? When I am all worked up and I've already, like, gotten in my mind how I'm going to tell him how he did this wrong or how this wasn't right, and he just looks at me and he's like, you know what? I did do that. Or that came out the wrong way, or mm, that was a little harsh. Like, what am I supposed to do with that? It takes all the wind out of my sails. I'm like, okay, great, you I had that perfectly planned argument, and then it just ruins that. But seriously, sorry, the owning it really diffuses an explosive situation. Well, really, it's more
0: of a survival skill, I've found. But okay. yes, but it's... Uh, touche. But, it, but it is, but it's very helpful. I'm telling you, it's very helpful, so yeah.
1: Okay, next thing that we do is we use a lot of humor. I mean, that is something that I think we probably do yeah. the most. Um, but it's a little bit tricky because a lot of time when you're kind of twisted up and mad, like you are not in a joking mood at all.
0: Yeah, for, for instance, a couple weeks ago, um, we were fussing at each other about finances. So we were having an argument about finances. And uh, so finally, I just looked at her and was like, What? You call me fat?
1: Okay. It's like this inside joke with us. So we just start laughing, and it completely diffuses the moment. It just makes it not a big deal. Now, and I will do that sometimes to him, but I'm going to tell you what. If you ever answer yes, you're going to think a bomb went off. (laughs) (laughs) Humor. Humor Humor uh, really. Yeah, which leads to the
0: next thing. Yeah, humor really diffuses the bomb. Another thing that diffuses it is if you can learn to apologize quickly. That's your next villain. Apologize quickly. Look, I'm not saying that you need to apologize for things that you didn't do. But the truth is, you had a part in it, whatever that it is. And even if it's just a small part, whenever you find whatever little small part that you did, I'm telling you, apologize for that. You know, like, I am so sorry, I did not mean for it to come out that way. You know what, I had no idea I was communicating that. I'm sorry, like, and no, I'm not calling you fat. That's like, right. that's never, ever gonna happen, yeah, that's ever, funny. Yeah.
1: yeah. Okay, so next ask, what can I do to make it right? What can I do to make it right? See when we say I'm sorry, it addresses the issue, but when we say what can I do to make it right, it's an attempt to mend the relationship, and what you're communicating to the other person is that I value our relationship and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make it right. And you know, honestly, sometimes when you say what can I do to make it right, there's nothing. Sometimes it just takes some time. But sometimes there is something that you can do to make it right, and being able to communicate that to your spouse if saying you are more important and our relationship is a priority really diffuses that communication bomb, but it also prevents them from putting all that protective gear back on.
0: That's right. next thing you can do is simply ask this question. How do you want me to respond next time? How do you want me to respond next time? Because look, if you want to have a different result, then you have to do it differently. And so one of the best ways we found to do that, and honestly, I picked this up from Amy, uh, like in year one of our marriage. Um, Just simply ask the question, okay, well, how do you want me to respond next time? Because if we can figure out what we did this time that led to the blow-up, then maybe next time we can do it differently. And I can respond differently so it doesn't escalate. Okay, now look, you also got to cut yourself a little bit of slack because probably you might not remember to get it exactly right the very next time, because you're having to unlearn a pattern of communicating, but you know what, you still need to say okay, what can I do next time to make this different? And when you do that and you respond differently, I'm telling you, you're gonna get different results and that really diffuses the bomb.
1: Okay, last one is compliment the other person. Okay, Mike does this really well. Let's just pretend, hypothetically, that I might have like an emotional moment and maybe, maybe I might cry. Okay, what he does is he'll look at me and he says, you're so cute when you cry. Okay, nobody wants to be cute when they cry, but then he says, can I take your picture just so I can have it, because it's so cute. Okay, what are you doing?
0: I just took a picture because you're cute preaching too.
1: Okay, you're not, (laughs) no, okay. Do you see? So it completely disarms. I'm tweeting it out right now. You are not tweeting that out. I promise you I am. You are not tweeting that out. I just did. You're going to have to go back to apologize. And what can I do to make it right if you tweet it out? Okay. Um, Michael, I want to like you at the end of this. Okay. Mm hmm. Yes. But when he does that, it changes the whole mood because when I'm. Upset or mad, and he compliments me. Like it's really hard for me to stay mad. I mean, I can do it, but it's just a lot harder. <laughs> so when you compliment, it really diffuses that communication bomb.
0: Yeah, all these things um, are are so helpful. What? Did I forget something?
1: No, I was just going to tell them they need to circle their stuff oh, so I'm sorry. they don't forget. Good. Okay. Well. If you're like we are, we've gotta pick a few things that we work on, and so before we move on, just pick two of those things that you wanna work on and circle those, just pick two. Whichever two that you feel like the Lord's nudging you to work on, choose two things and circle them. Yeah,
0: because that really is the best thing. You know, Take this in bite-sized pieces, okay? Um, But look, ultimately, the goal isn't just to diffuse the bomb, Ultimately, the goal is to create an environment where there is no bomb, where a bomb can't exist. And that leads us to number three. So number three is this. I need to bomb-proof my marriage and relationships. I want to bomb-proof my marriage and relationships. Look, if we really want to truly bomb-proof them, then we have to create an environment where these bombs simply cannot exist. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, wait, well, hold on there, Pastor Mike. Wait, I've always heard that all couples fight. So you're telling me that there could be a situation exists where like, we don't fight? Yeah, I am. Now listen, hold on, you understand this. All couples are going to have disagreements, like that is true. But they don't have to end up in some big blow-up fight where reckless words pierce our hearts like a sword, okay? so. That doesn't have to happen, and God can show us how. And he shows us how in a passage in the Bible, in in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, in what's traditionally called the love chapter. Okay, now look, before we read this, if you're a Christ follower, like, don't roll your eyes and think, oh great, I've heard this a thousand times at a thousand weddings, okay? Like, I get it. But this passage actually has nothing to do with a wedding. The Apostle Paul was writing to the people in Corinth back in the first century because they had had multiple communication bombs blow up in their church. People had had massive arguments, and it had hurt people, it had divided people, it had alienated people, and so Paul writes them, he's like, hey guys, like, this has to stop What you're doing is not honoring God. And God wants to stop because you're destroying your relationships with one another. Because look, get this. And this is what God's going to show us in this passage. He says, look, love doesn't just diffuse the bomb. Love doesn't just diffuse a bomb. Love creates an environment where these sorts of explosive materials do not exist. And get this. A bomb without explosive materials is just a clock. It's just a clock. And so if you can create an environment where these explosive materials don't exist, then you won't have those sorts of blow-ups. Disagreements, yeah, but blow-ups, no. Because think about that. And what Paul's going to tell us is that love, it's, it's not just an, an ooey-gooey feeling, okay? That's not it. Love is, what he means is, it's, he's talking about acting lovingly. And when you act lovingly towards another person, do you lie? I mean, do you, do you tear them down? Do you freeze them out? Do you raise your voice? Do you make them apologize first? No. So, if you will act lovingly, then that creates an environment where this stuff doesn't exist. And so the bombs don't go off. And you can have a new relationship. Look what the Bible says. Here's, what, here's the ways we need to act loving. This is what God tells us. In 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 and 5, he says this: He says, Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs. So let's take a closer look at just a few of these. We don't have time to do all of them. Let's look at just a few of them, okay? The first one is this, is that I need to be patient. I need to be patient. Look, sometimes you've got to understand. The other person that you're talking with, like, they might be tired. They might be stressed out. I mean, they might be hungry. I mean, you never know or what's going on. They might
1: be hormonal, but that's only like the girl can only say hormonal. Like you do not ever say guys. You don't ever say hormonal. Only girls, even if it is the factor. Just never even
0: thought about it till now. Really? There you go. Never <laughs> that's even right. Occurred. That's right. Nope. So anyway, look, look, you 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 got to be patient with that person. Cut the other person's like, Look, I I also know that Amy sometimes has low blood sugar issues and so sometimes when we start you know, like bickering I'll say to her like hey you know what let's pause for just let let's get something to eat let's 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 talk and then we'll talk and you know what we'll do we'll, we'll do that we'll get something to eat and I'm telling you the conversation goes completely differently because the am-
1: horns go back inside the head I mean, I'm telling
0: you it's amazing but it's true though it's true. but you got to be patient with one another
1: yeah. another thing is be kind be kind with your words of what you say and of how you say it. You know, a lot of times, if we're in the middle of an argument or if we're bickering, you know, one of us will say, remember, we are on the same team. And when we remember that we're on the same team, we'll usually step back and rethink how we're saying things and say it in a much kinder way or with a much kinder tone. It really makes a huge difference.
0: Yeah. The next one is this. Um, don't be rude. Oh, please. Don't be rude. No, I think this is always so odd that sometimes we will say something to our spouse that we would never say to a stranger. Which, that, that's so weird because we love our spouse and we don't even know the stranger. But yet, we will say something that's so rude to our spouse we would never say it to someone else. Why do we do that? That has to stop. Well, look, I'm not saying that you can't tell your spouse everything. You, 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 should. you should be able to tell your spouse everything. But what God is saying to you and to me here, he's saying, look, I'm not, saying, I'm not telling you to filter what you say, but God is saying you need to filter how you say it. And don't be rude to your
1: spouse. Okay, next, don't be self-seeking. Don't be self-seeking. You know, a lot of times, um, we are trying to communicate love to our spouse, but we're trying to communicate it to them in a way, and it's almost like on a frequency that they don't understand. Because, you know, there's five basic love languages. There's gifts, there's quality time, there's physical touch, there's acts of service, and what am I forgetting?
0: Time. Um, time.
1: Time? and quality time and quality time. And if you are trying to communicate love to your spouse in a way that they don't receive it, it's like broadcasting on a frequency that they don't get. So for instance, if your love language is words of affirmation and your, ten, your spouse is um, like acts of service, if you're constantly saying, "I love you and you're so great," they don't feel loved. But if you unload the dishwasher and fold the laundry, they really feel loved. See what I'm saying? Big difference. Okay, so for me, my primary love language is quality time. Um, Over the last six months, I would say that um, Mike and I have probably walked through the most difficult season we have ever had to walk through. And there are a lot of reasons why it has been a difficult season. Um, I'm just going to share with you two. On the same day, my dad had emergency double bypass surgery and Mike's mom started chemo for breast cancer. Those are just two things that were going on in our lives Um, and both of our parents are doing very well now. But It was a really stressful time for us and a time where we just didn't get a lot of time together and Mike took probably the busiest week for him work-wise and he took off. And he took me for a week to Florida just so that we could have time together because we just needed time. And he spoke love to me in a way that meant the world to me.
0: So look, if you don't know the love language of your spouse, or if you don't know the love language of your kids, uh, you need to learn that because that will make sure that you are communicating love to them in a way that they can hear it. Otherwise, y'all are not communicating on the same frequency and there's gonna be a disconnect, okay? So, now, for all of us, for all of us, let's ask God, let's ask God to change our behaviors so that he can change our marriages and our relationships. Let's ask God to change us so that he can create an environment where these sorts of explosive materials can exist and that we can have the marriages and the friendships and the relationships that we've always dreamed we could have and that God has always dreamed that we would have. See look, if you buy into the old adage of, you know like, well, all couples fight. like There's always sibling rivalry. If you buy into that, you've already lost. So reject those worldly attitudes because they don't have to be true. Disagreements, yes. Blow ups, no. It doesn't have to be that way. And it'll be a learning process, but let's say, okay God, I believe that your word is not just false hope. I believe that your word is true, and it can be true for me, and it can be true in my marriage, it can be true in my family. And so change me to make it True. And in doing so, God will do all that to tie a knot that won't come undone. So, I'd like you to bow your head, close your eyes. Let me pray for us all. Heavenly Father, thank you that you don't just leave us to, you know, figure all this out on our own, that you give us some very practical guidelines and how to communicate as couples, as friends, as family. And I pray in Jesus' name that those that are here that have literally 100 pounds of gear on right now to protect themselves, God, that you would help them today to begin to take some of it off and to become vulnerable again. And that you would restore communication in those marriages. And you would help those people in those marriages apologize to one another and seek forgiveness and start a new way of communicating. And I pray that you would do that in all of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.